Welcome back to the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast sponsored by Manscaped, the off-season edition, our first one of the off-season. And this one's a little different than what you normally hear in the regular season because we have a really special guest on this one. I'm really excited about this. 49ers director of pro personnel, Rand Carthon. Rand, first things first, um, welcome to the 49ers podcast. I don't think I've, I don't think we've ever had you on a podcast. I know we had you on our Meet the Scout series, but this is kind of exciting. This is like almost groundbreaking to have you here. Yeah, I feel like I'm actually somebody. Like I made it. I may have to get my entire family to listen to this. You invited me to the podcast. I'm glad to be here. We are excited to have you. The more the merrier. Uh being the You've Got Mail podcast, we have some fan questions. We have questions to get to know you and your role, but that's what I kind of want to start off with. Director of pro personnel. You just finished out your fourth season with the 49ers in your role for the everyday fan. Can you break that down for us? What does your role entail with the team? Um, So like you said, uh, director of pro personnel. Uh, So uh, myself, uh, RJ Gillen, uh, Sally Clavell, Fred Gamage, and Crowley Hanlon. uh, We're in charge of the day-to-day maintenance of, uh, of our roster, the daily waiver wire. Um, that we that comes out, we get this email from the league every uh, day um, that lets us know which uh, players have been cut, which players have been picked up, um, and things like that. So we manage that um, in our database uh, for day to day purposes, knowing who's available um, and who do we need to make 49ers. Uh, we also um, manage the uh, free agency portion, um, which is the season we're in now. Uh, we spend most of the season looking at uh, players who will be uh, free agents and how they fit with 40 uh, to be a 49er. Uh, so we organize and structure that um, along with um, uh, our advanced scouting reports. So we put together weekly scouting reports of our upcoming opponents. Uh, we travel to games to see those people play live. Uh, from there, we come back, we meet with uh, Kyle and the coaching staff on Monday nights uh, to help those guys break down the opponent and give them as much information as possible to uh, get our team ready to play a game on Sunday. So it sounds from from the beginning of what you're saying, it sounds like this is one of the busiest times of year. But as you go on, it sounds like this is a 365 day a year busy type of job. Do you have a slow season or is it all year round for you guys? Well, post draft, it gets a little slower. Um, And then, of course, after OTAs, we get that break um, like everyone else. But even during that, you know, the waiver wire is still going. So we have to monitor that from wherever we are. Um, you know, wherever your off-season home is or wherever your vacation, and we still uh, monitor it every day. So uh, pro never really turns off. Um, it's just, you know, like I said, post-draft is a little bit slower and we can uh, relax a little bit. Okay. So go, I'm going to go back into, into the history books a little bit, but you were a former running back at the University of Florida. You're the son of an NFL running back and fullback turned NFL coach. I want to know, how does your background, your knowledge, your connections throughout the years, whether it's through you and your path or your father's, how does that aid you in your role in pro personnel? Well, you know, like you said, uh, I played collegiately at the University of Florida, uh, played for, um, I primarily say the Colts because I bounced around for a few teams, but most of my NFL games that I actually played in were with the Colts. Um, You know, having a father that played uh, in the NFL definitely helped uh, me get my start. Um, And a funny story, um, I get a, I was able to uh, secure an interview uh, with the Atlanta Falcons uh, in 2008. Um, I come in, I'm interviewing, and one of the guys they have me sit down with is uh, Lionel Vital, 
who's now the director of college scouting for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and if you know Lionel, he, you know, he's has this intimidating look, you know, this intimidating grimace on his face. So he's sitting down with me and we're going through some guys on their roster, um, some guys that I actually have played with. So we're talking about those guys as players. And then he tells me this story about when he was a rookie. Um, you know, uh, he came in the middle of camp. They had a, uh, one of their running backs was holding out. So the Giants brought him in um, as a camp guy. And he said there was a vet on the team that, you know, took him under his wing, you know, taught him the playbook, taught him how to study, taught him what it was to be a pro. And he asked me, he says, do you know who that guy uh, is? And I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, that guy was your father. He was like, so if your father was a jerk to me, you wouldn't be here right now. You know, and he was like, and for that, like, I'm going to put my, you know, put my name on the line for you. And, you know, he was like, so that, you know, I've always been forever grateful to Lionel for that. Um, And, you know, it shows that, you know, again, it was something I always ran from being younger, right? Like you want to make your own name. Um, But I saw the, in that moment, I saw the importance of, you know, having a a parent who was well-respected within the uh, line of business I was trying to get in. (laughs) You usually, I mean, you you look at some of these coaching trees and you see, you know, I mean, an obvious one would be Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan, but even how it branches off from there. And you kind of get to see this picture of the relationships that are built through whether it's coaching, it's front office work. And and I think that's one of the prime examples, what you just shared right there. But when it comes to building a team, a lot of the credit goes to the general manager when it's compiling a team's roster, but it's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes on. You know, you guys putting a lot of those late hours in when you're scouting talent, you brought, you broke it down just a little bit, but can you, again, just break down your team? How many people are collectively a part of this scouting department? And how do each one of you guys work together for the common goal? Well, from a pro perspective, uh, like I said, it's myself. Uh, it's RJ Gillen, Sally Clavell, uh, Fred Gamich, and Crowley Hanlon. Uh, we actually split up all 32 te- oh, 31 other teams. Um, and each uh, person is responsible Um for that team, knowing that team intimately, we like to refer to it as being an encyclopedia on that team. So knowing their roster, knowing what type of schemes they run, you know, knowing players, if a player gets released, like you should be the first one on it. Uh, if a player gets injured, you should know when that player was injured, what the injury is and how long, you know, that player is going to be out or when they're expected back. Uh, from a college perspective, um, every organization is different in terms of how they split it up. Um, but we usually break it up into uh, areas, what we call areas. Um, and so you have uh, the Southeast Scout, uh, the Midland Scout, the Southwest Scout, the Midwest, the Northeast, the West. You know, some people even break up those areas and make subgroups off of those, depending on how many scouts you have. Um, so it's a pretty big operation. Um, I like to refer to what we do as um, us being the lifeblood, you know, of the organization. Um You know, we're head down, always moving forward, uh, trying to find the best players to bring here, the uh, best players to put in front of John and Kyle, you know, to help us make the best decisions and build a championship team. So you you talk about, you know, I really like that that saying. You said it's the the blood. What is it? The lifeblood. The lifeblood. The lifeblood of the organization. Well, you just broke down. There are two different branches you have your pro scouting, then you also have 
your scouting of collegiate talent. What are the striking differences between the roles of both departments when it comes to bringing in talent? Um, I always joke with the area guys, you know, at the end of the day, I think the biggest difference for us is, you know, we get to, and pro, we get to go home every night. <laughs> so I get to sleep in my bed every night may not be long, but I do get to at least go home every night. Whereas our area guys are, you know, pretty much out on the road for, you know, seven to 10 days at a time. Um, just, you know, hitting multiple schools a week, sometimes multiple schools a day uh, to make sure that they're covering their territory. Um, but the real, you know, the real big difference is in pro, uh, we kind of see what guys are in the NFL, right? Because um, this is professional football. So we get to see them against professional talent. And in my mind, I think we get, we're able to make a more of a concrete decision as to who that player is and what type of player uh, the person is. Whereas in college, it's more of a projection. You know, because you're looking at, you know, anywhere from 18 to 22 year old guys playing against, you know, other 18 to 22 year old guys versus and you have to project how a 22 year old kid is going to play against a 32 year old grown man. You know, so it's, uh, you know, probably a little bit more stressful on our college guys. Um, but, you know, our, our guys here do a really good job. Being that you're a part of pro personnel, pro scouting. Um, one thing that, that stands out to me, and that's because I, this year is different. Let, let's just put it out there. This year is obviously different. And I think this ends a very long streak of yours of not attending the NFL scouting combine down in Indianapolis, which is obviously due to the pandemic. It's going to look drastically different than what we're used to seeing back, uh, in India every year. But aside from you being, you know, disappointed, you don't get to make your annual trip. How does your team adapt and adjust to now having to find new ways to scout prospects? Well, you know, the biggest thing is for us not to be able to see these guys live, you know, see them all in one and see them actually in an uncomfortable environment, you know, from them being shuttled around from place to place. And, you know, that's another part of the evaluation process. How do they handle that? And then to see them measured up against what is seen as other top players at their position and how they measure up. Um, so that's a, another live view that we don't get um, not being at the combine. Um, and then the, the interview portion of it, which was is always key at the combine. We're allowed 60 interviews. I think you get 15 minutes with uh, each player. Um, and it's, you know, usually it's the first time our coaches have been able to be in front of these guys. Um, so that part of it is no longer there. Um, you know, so the, it's, it's going to be a trying time. Um, obviously as this year has been as a whole, um, I think, you know, kudos to all 32 teams. I think for the most part, everyone's, you know, adapted well. Um, and it kind of uh, lends on something that John has always told us, you know, that the most successful teams will be the ones to, you know, adapt the quickest, um, and not let it uh, affect us, you know. So it, it's going to take some ingenuity. Um, it's going to take some, uh, you know, for us to be resourceful, um, to find, you know, other ways to get around, you know, not seeing guys and, you know, not being able to have those conversations, you know, with key people within uh, these universities, uh, which allows us to be more informed on the player. So, um, you know, like I said before, our area guys, they're very knowledgeable of their areas. Um, they're very well connected, you know, around the league, around college football. Um, so 
you know, although it'll be trying, like I expect nothing but the best from our guys. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. So you, you talk about just what, you know, you're missing out on. A lot of teams are missing out on with that live element of having the players there. Uh, at the combine, but Kyle and John have spoken about players who really caught their attention during that time. And and one example is during those interviews, how you know they might have a player ranked somewhere on their list, but after the interviews, that might change, you know, for the better or for the worse. Is there a memory or a meeting of how a player or someone stood out to you, or or maybe changed your thoughts about him during an event or a meeting or a run in at the combine? Um. I won't say who the player is. I'm sorry, Kiana. No, no, but, no. That's fine. Um, there was a player. Um, this was before my time here with the Niners. Um, and this actually was in just a non-team uh, setting. You know, this player had played multiple positions in college, and everyone was trying to figure out, you know, what position this guy was going to be. And so he and I would just so happen to be in a, in a place where it was just, you know, he and I. We were just there. And so I took a minute and kind of turned my lanyard backwards because I didn't want him to feel like he was being interviewed. But in that moment, I was just able just to ask him like, hey, man, like, what are you? Yeah. You know, like, what do you view yourself as? And he told me a position. He was like, hey, man, like I played those other two positions because I thought it'd be cool and thought it'd be fun. And he was like, but that's not what I want to do at the next level. Hmm. You know, and I think leading up to that young man's, you know, to him being drafted and he was drafted fairly high. I think those questions still lingered, you know, um, and this guy, he's gone on and he's played a, you know, a successful career and he's still playing and he's playing at that position that he told me he wanted to play. Mm-hmm. I don't I know if that was a good enough story. No, for you, that's, but. That was, that's exactly what I was looking for. Just, just how valuable some of these run-ins, some of these meetings, some of these interviews at the scouting combine can be, you know, that's going to be a lot different for teams. Uh, you know, this year, we don't know what next year may look like. Hopefully things can return back to normal. I know we're all hoping that things go back to some sense of normalcy, but uh, that's just like one of the examples. I know Kyle and John talked about how they spoke with Mike McGlinchey and what really blew them away was his presence in that interview uh, setting. So that's one of those examples that we're looking for and and just the value of the scouting combine. But I want to jump back to pro scouting now. As we're talking about this year, what are some of the challenges that this past year has brought you and your team in adapting to the pandemic and how you can scout pro talent? Well, as you can attest to this, um, you know, back when everything was, I guess, normal, um, you always see me and my my guys from uh, my department. We're always together. Um, you know, whether that's breakfast, whether that's lunch, you know, we hang out together. Uh, we enjoy each other's company. Um, so uh, this year has brought, you know, because of, you know, numbers within, you know, how many people are allowed in the building, you know, different tiers and statuses. You know, not everyone from our department was able to be in the office full time. Um, so that was a big difference um, just in terms of our ability to um, to scout during uh, training camp. Um, a lot of things that we do in my, in my department is collaborative uh, and we take a collaborative approach. Um, so this year had to be, you know, done via Zoom, um, which we were able to to overcome. But it's nothing like, you know, having those moments, um, 
you know, during the cut down portion uh, of the off season where it's, you know, the pro staff, we may order pizza, we may order some wings and we're in the draft room. We got the music blasting and we're just grinding tape. Um, and if little known fact is usually when we're playing our fourth preseason game um, and we've been fortunate that the last couple have been here um, actually at Levi's, um, myself and the pro staff, we're in the draft room watching tape during the game. And because we have all the monitors up, we have our game going on, but we're grinding on the tape of the guys who may, uh, you know, come free via uh, via being cut. Um, so we didn't get that this year. Um, but again, you know, having technology and, and Zoom and things of that nature uh, helps us overcome it. I'm assuming that the, the home office has really uh, seen some upgrades this last year with a lot of people and scouts in particular having to work from home. Oh, for sure. Um, it's funny because um, I've never been a work at home type of person. I've always felt like, you know, let me keep those two separate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll stay here at the office as long as I have to to complete a task or come in as early as I need to uh, to complete a task. But, um, you know, actually uh, bought a desk for my for my bedroom because uh, I work out of my bedroom. Um, I know that's probably a big no-no in some people's eyes, but um, I'm pretty diligent. And I, I feel like I'm pretty disciplined about it. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I something I never thought that I would get used to, you know, so I'm actually I've evolved and gotten better. And now I'm able to work from home. One thing I can say about um, you and I's relationship, you've been really, really helpful for me uh, when when learning a lot about um the scouting process, uh, when it has to do with I know we've talked a lot about what Adam Peters does for the organization and Martin Mayhew, who's now with the Washington football team. But uh, one of the questions that I, I know I discussed with you and, and I also discussed with them this off season was the changes of not having a preseason. Does that change a lot of how you and your team scout talent when you don't have, you know, those, those four games or, you know, those three and a half since you're also working in that fourth game, has that changed? Did that change a lot for you guys this year? Oh, uh, most definitely, because, again, you know, you don't get to see these guys in in NFL action. Right. Um, You know, having been a former player, having played or, you know, in the preseason and feeling like you have to do really well in the preseason to make the team. um, I know the importance of it, you know, but my staff and I, we were able to sit down and put our heads together and come up with a way uh, to get around that. you know, which allowed us to, you know, have a, a really in-depth uh, perception of, you know, these players that we haven't seen essentially, right? You know, um, heading into this uh, camp, uh, pretty much if if you hadn't played a snap in the NFL, um, you know, we were pretty much relying on our area guys. But then um, one thing we did was we went back and we watched um, all the rookies um, that were drafted and signed as uh, undrafted free agents for our respective teams. And so we would have our own opinion, you know, on those guys as well. Um, And I think that really helped us out, um, you know, forming our short list and our emergency list, you know, as we got into the season. A word that you commonly hear around this 49ers organization, it's culture. Kyle and John, they set out to change the culture around the team. And with the losses of guys like Robert Sala to the Jets and, and I just brought him up, Martin Mayhew, who both minority uh, 
execs and coaches who will get into that in a bit, but do you see the culture, that word culture changing at all with the departure of some guys and maybe the promotion of others? Or how do you kind of see uh, that changing or remaining constant with now, let's say, D'Amico Ryan's now carrying the torch? Um, I think it's a constant, right? Because um, when John and Kyle got here, they had um, they had a format that they wanted to follow. Um, there were certain boxes to check in order to be a 49er and what it takes to be a 49er. And I think everybody we have here in this building uh, checks all of those boxes uh, as to what we want a 49er to be, whether that's, you know, front office, marketing, you know, business, players, uh, what have you. Everyone here checks uh, the boxes for what Kyle and John want uh, to be a 49er. So, you know, I feel, you know, 100 percent. And so I'm 100 percent in support of anybody that, you know, we um, that we promote uh, or we bring in, um, because I know that in order to even be considered, you have to have all those qualities that we want a 49er to be. Yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about what's been the elephant in the room and the conversation going on around the NFL these last few seasons. And that's the representation of black men and minority men in high ranking positions across the league. You began as a pro scout. You talked about it with the Atlanta Falcons back in 2008. And just looking back at your first role in the front office to, to now where you are, have you seen things change for the better with deserving minority candidates receiving those head coaching or GM opportunities? I know you know one very personally, but what's been your take? Um, so, you know, when I came in in 2008, um, I was really oblivious, you know, to it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was my first role as a non-player. So I was kind of locked in and focused on that. But then as you're in it, you know, you learn about organizations like the Fritz Pollard Alliance and, you know, what it is they stand for. And so those things get brought to your attention. Um, so to answer your question, have I seen things change? Yes. Um, but I still think that there are more things that need to be changed. Um, and there's more headway that we can make, you know, as a league. Um, I think there are more than enough, you know, qualified uh, minority uh, scouts and coaches um, that deserve these opportunities. Uh, we just have to find a way to um, to create a system and a format in which, you know, everyone gets that that chance. Um, I remember uh, reading something um, about Jerry Reese uh, when he became the uh, general manager for the New York Giants. I remember reading his uh, his bio and he talked about the importance of being a black GM and how important that was for him um, in his role to do a really good job to open the door, you know, for the next guy coming behind him. And that's always been my approach, you know, since reading that, um, knowing that, you know, as a, I, I just, I view myself as a scout, you know, regardless of what the title is, but being a, you know, black scout in this league and specifically being a, uh, a black former player, that scouting in this league. Uh, it's always important for me to uh, be one of the best at what I'm doing and uh, represent uh, my organization and the league in the right way um, to show that there are more behind me um, and show that, you know, that we are capable of doing a good enough job to hopefully one day be running an organization. I want to follow up on that. Uh, I, you're one of the most well-connected people that I know 
from whether it's you playing your dad, you and your career path. But I want to know who are some of those black execs who not only had an impact in your career, but maybe some of those that really helped pave the way and left maybe a leaving a mark in the NFL that you have witnessed over the last few years. Well, I mean, from a, you know, from a personnel side, um, I'll start there. I mean, you, you have to start with Ozzie Newsom, um, you know, being the first black general manager in the NFL history um, in 2001. Um, you have to let that sink in for a minute, you know, so it's only been uh, 20 years um, since we named the first black GM. Um, a guy like that with his resume, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player as a tight end, you know, with the Cleveland Browns. And to think that this guy has gone on and had a Hall of Fame career as an executive, you know, you think in 1996, his first two draft picks uh, were Jonathan Ogden, who's a Hall of Famer, and Ray Lewis, who's a Hall of Famer. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, And then you've seen the sustained success that Baltimore has had. So you have to start with him. Um, You know, then you have, uh, like I mentioned, Jerry Reese. Uh, Jerry Reese is a uh, two-time Super Bowl winning um, general manager uh, in this league. He's uh, another guy I've looked up to uh, for a while. Um, you know, Martin uh, Mayhew, uh, whom you mentioned earlier, um, always knew who Martin was because um, Martin and my father actually worked together in Detroit uh, for a year or two. So I knew who Martin was, but the impact that he made on me having worked under him for these last four years, you know, Martin is. Um, is a great sounding board. He's wise. Um, he's smart, you know, and he understands, you know, the inner workings of this league. So uh, he's been a great resource. Um, you know, and again, a lot of my influence also comes from, you know, coaches uh, around the league, you know, uh, not only my dad, but uh, a guy like Keith Armstrong, uh, who congrats to Keith. He's the special teams coordinator uh, for Tampa Bay, who just won the Super Bowl. But Keith and I, we worked together um, in Atlanta and he taught me, you know, the importance of, you know, learning how to scout special teams. Um, so he's uh, been a mentor for me. And there are, you know, countless other uh, guys who I'm pretty sure when they hear this, they'll be mad at me and I'll get texts um, <laughs> that I didn't mention them. But, you know, those are the first guys that come to mind. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. I want to jump back to something you said uh, towards the top of this podcast. And you said that you and, and your team, you know, you're always moving forward. Being that you guys are always moving forward, do you guys ever get a chance to kind of look back? And maybe what you guys have done, what talent that you've brought in, kind of just reflect on on a season or maybe a series of years like these last four years for you. Oh, yeah. But it's brief, you know, um, for us to get here in 17 um, and then play for a Super Bowl, you know, last year, like that was uh, the week of Super Bowl for me personally was very reflective um, and being able to. Um, you know, see our roster then and to see where we were. And, you know, we were, you know, so close to completing the task, um, you know, but again, it's about, you know, always looking forward. Um, you know, there's a saying that, you know, um, that's why the, uh, the rearview mirror is smaller than the windshield, you know, because what's behind you is it's done and it's small compared to what's ahead of you. So, um, you know, we have our moments within our department and, you know, 
we're all competitive, so we keep score. And we joke with each other about players that we have liked and, you know, oh, there's your guy. You know, oh, your guy stinks or, you know, hey, man, your guy's blowing up. And it's always, a, you know, like a little friendly competition. But, you know, it's always about moving forward. Um, you know, I just remember after uh, after the Super Bowl, I got back on the bus and, you know, it was one of those like I was, you know, hurt, um, which I'm pretty sure everyone else was. But my mind immediately went to, OK, how can we get better? You know, what can I do in, in terms of my role? to help us, you know, put us in position to uh, hopefully um, complete the task next time. So, um, again, you reflect, you have those moments and, you know, you, you figure out where you can grow and get better. Um, you set your intentions and you just move forward. And it's not only the You've Got Mail podcast. We got Rand dropping some gems on us about the rearview mirror and it's not as big as the windshield some great analogies right there that you can definitely apply. I like that. All right. So it wouldn't be the You've Got Mail podcast if we didn't take fan submitted questions. So I've got one from Jonathan Sandoval from, from Citrus Heights, California. Jonathan asks, despite the record and the uncontrollable factors the 49ers had to deal with this past season, in your eyes, and I know that's why I asked you about moving forward, were there any bright spots that you think that you and your team can look back on that can also help carry this 49ers team over into the 2021 season? Well, first, you know, thank you, Jonathan, for your uh, question. Thank you for supporting the podcast and our organization. Uh, to answer your question, um, I think um, the one good thing was that, you know, obviously we had the injuries, we had COVID, so a lot of uh, extenuating circumstances. But I think more than anything is um, it, A, showed the depth of our roster. Um, and it showed uh, we got we had a chance to get our young guys some playing time and guys who have not, you know, played, uh, got guys playing time. So moving forward, um, you know, when when we get our roster built and we're entering games, we should have a roster filled with players who have significant experience. So in the event they're thrown into a role, we can know what to expect and they will know what to expect as well. Hmm. All right, Rand, as we wrap this up, I, one, I appreciate you stopping by and, and dropping some nuggets on us and giving us a little insight, a peek behind the curtain to your role and your team and what you guys do and how important you guys are to the success of this team. But I want to ask a, a random question for you. Oh, and, Lord. and feel free. You can, you can maybe decline if you want, but I would love to get your take just as a guy that's in-house, a guy that you know, you're scouting this talent, talent, coming to this team, talent on other teams. But is there a player or a position group, I'm, I'm opening it up for you, that let's say you're excited to see in year 2021? Are you saying in, in, in terms of what, in, across the NFL, college, what, what are we talking? Uh, I'm talking 49ers. We, we want to know 49ers. Is there a player or a position group that you want to see healthy and taking a stride forward? that you're just genuinely, it doesn't have to be a player that you scouted just in general, something you're just excited to see in 2021. Well, um, so like you mentioned, I'm a running back, so mm -hmm. I'm always partial to the running backs. Okay. And uh, coach Turner is, is my guy. And uh, love coach Bobby T, you know, Bobby T gave me his blessing that I'm one of the guys in the room. So <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, go with the running backs. Um, you just, I mean, Hey man, I mean, you know what this system is. Um, you can go back, um, 
you know, to when uh, Coach Mike was in Denver. You know, you can mention off, you can rattle off, obviously, the Terrell Davises, the Orlando Scaries, the Ruben Droneses, uh, the Mike Andersons, the Clinton Portises. Like, all these guys have been successful within this scheme. You know, those guys, they go to uh, Houston, and then you get Arian Foster. You know, he becomes a household name. And even a guy we had here was with uh, Kyle in Washington. Uh, Alfred Morris goes from a fifth, sixth round pick to, you know, a Pro Bowl player within this scheme. So um, just excited to see our team as a whole get healthy um, and then get our backfield um, back healthy and get those guys going again. And just, you know, just the excitement um, of seeing us break off big runs, man, slashing and making big plays. It's always fun to see, you know, Raheem finishing the end zone, you know, surfing and, you know, and my man Jeff Wilson losing his mind in the end zone. So always looking forward to seeing the running backs play. All right. Now you just made me think of another question. How would running back Rand Carthon, how would he perform? What, what would his role be as a Kyle Shanahan running back? How would he succeed? in this type of system. So funny story, when I was coming out, um, Coach Turner, if if anyone knows Coach Turner, he's the most diligent human, you know, on earth. Um, and so I literally talked to Coach Turner every week before the draft process. It was almost like we became friends, like I expected uh, Bobby T's call. Um, you know, there was numerous times I was with my then girlfriend, who's now my wife, and my phone would ring and she would look, Oh, is that the coach from Denver? I'm like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll be right back, you know, and step out, um, you know, but being realistic, you know, obviously I thought I was, you know, the best running back ever created. Um, and it wasn't until I got to my first training camp and I saw what a hall of famer looked like in Edron James. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that. So, <laughs> so me in this system, I think it would have fit my skill set. You know, just one cut and go. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, Kyle probably would have replaced me with a guy the next year. <laughs> so I probably would end up scouting for him anyway. I admire your honesty. I appreciate it. Uh, Rand, very last thing. I know you did something really, really special a couple of years ago, and and this just came to top of mind. Um, you wanted to you wanted to shine light on fathers uh, who wanted to do really great things uh, for their family. And I know you had some ties with the 49ers organization being able to provide for them. Can you give us just a little bit of background of what it is that you are doing and 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 where is it at now? What's your goal? What are you hoping to do in the future? So um, I call it the fatherhood ticket program um, where we uh, ask kids to write in and tell us why their dad deserves uh, two tickets, a parking pass and two sideline passes to a home game. So it actually started, I think, around 2010, 2011, when I was with the Falcons. Um, a really good friend of mine, um, uh, who's a, uh, she uh, has her own uh, PR firm, Latanya Story. Uh, she helped me create it, um, and we started it, and it kind of just took off. And so when I got here, uh, you know, with the 49ers, you know, I talked to uh, John about it. Um, you know, just something I wanted to give back to the community here. So we started it uh, last year. Um, and our community relations department has done a really good job with helping me format it. Um, and you know, we got it going last year was our first year. I think we did, uh, I think we did four giveaways, 
um, where we gave, you know, deserving fathers those uh, tickets and sideline passes to a game. You know, again, I just wanted to bring, you know, light to uh, to positive fatherhood in the community. Um, you know, you often hear these stories of, you know, uh, kids growing up without a dad in the home, but you never hear the successful stories about the, you know, the men who are active um, in their kids' life. So I just wanted to, uh, you know, create something uh, to shine a light on those guys and let them know that their um, that their presence and their efforts are are, are seen and felt. Um, and you know, again, just wanted to big them up and uh, let them know that they're appreciated. We appreciate you, Rand Carthon, not just for joining us on the podcast, but for what you're doing uh, in the community, uh, highlighting these father figures and the great things that they're doing. We appreciate that. We appreciate you for stopping by. We appreciate all the work that you're doing uh, on the back end, you know, the stuff that the fans don't necessarily get to see. Thanks for giving us a peek inside of your world. Uh, Looking forward to what's to come. We got free agency and draft coming up. So I know you're a busy, busy man. So thank you so much. For stopping by. We appreciate it. Hey, man, thank you. I feel like I made it. Mama, I made it. <laughs> you know, I'm having me on our podcast. <laughs> you made it now. <laughs> <laughs>